0: Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR.
1: It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. So there is a very weird, very funny show on Netflix right now. It's called Nate, A One-Man Show. It's taped in front of a live audience at a theater in L.A., and the star of the show is Nate. Nate has a giant handlebar mustache, a bandana over his head, and he's wearing a fleece plaid jacket, open, with no shirt on underneath, chest hair exposed. And Nate, well, he kind of does crowd work. He makes the audience laugh, then he makes them uncomfortable. At one point, he wrestles a stranger... At another, he improvises a handshake with them. Nate is, as you might have gathered, a character. He's created and performed by comedian Natalie Palomides. You might have seen Natalie as part of the crew in those progressive insurance commercials she plays Mara. She's been workshopping Nate for years, and Natalie will admit that he is kind of a jerk. Much of the show feels like a dialogue with the audience— As Nate ropes them into different, increasingly uncomfortable situations, he explores toxic masculinity and consent. It's a unique and funny show. The Bullseye Crew was turned on to it by our friend Carrie Poppy, who also hosts Maximum Fund's Oh No, Ross and Carrie. So we decided to let Carrie interview Natalie. Before we get into the interview, let's listen to a clip from Nate, a one-man show. In this clip, Nate has approached an unsuspecting member of the audience with an innocent enough question. What's her name?
2: I'm so sorry, actually, I never got your name. You didn't ask me before, but it's Helen. Yeah, I'm so sorry I didn't ask you.
0: <laughs> it's Kellen? It's Helen, H-E-L-E-N. Helen? Yeah, you got
2: it. Oh, probably couldn't understand because it's actually pronounced Helene. <laughs> um, it's Gaelic, but whatever it's your name, say how you want even
0: though you're saying it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Natalie Palomides, welcome to Bullseye. Hey, thanks so much, Carrie Poppy. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you doing? I'm all right, all things considered, I suppose. Yeah, so I usually see you pretty regularly. We're good friends, but uh, I haven't seen you in the last eight months or something because of this quarantine nonsense how's your life been
2: it's been a hell of a year carrie i've had um a healing journey this year as i'm sure maybe you're a bit aware of did i tell you i did like a 20 days water fast oh wow you know i always try weird weird health stuff (laughs)
0: Yeah, you do commit to things completely, and that's actually kind of why you're here. We want to talk to you about Nate, a one-man show, which is uh, your new Netflix special. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And it's essentially a taping of your live show, which how long did Nate, the live show, run?
2: Oh, gosh. Well, I premiered it at the Edinburgh Festival in 2018, August 2018, and then toured it all over the UK and Ireland, New York, Los Angeles for a while. I would say I, I toured it up until the pandemic started. I My last run of shows was in February 2020.
0: Oh, wow. And yeah. how, when did it start? Or when did you conceive Nate? Oh, I guess I started workshopping
2: the show in December 2017, mm. but I... Uh, originated the character, I guess, in a uh, drag workshop in Philadelphia with the Pig Iron Theater Company in 2012. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, he was baby Nate. He was much different. He didn't have a mustache or as as gravelly of a voice at that time, but I still consider him to be the Nate character. Yeah.
0: Okay, so so walk us through the steps then from 2012, you conceive of Nate Palomino, whose name mm-hmm. is very similar to yours. I don't know if you realize that. Yes, um, it's a
2: nod. It's a nod to my name.
0: Yeah, t- take us from there to here.
2: I was doing a drag workshop in Philadelphia with the Pig Iron Theater Company, and we we're devising a play that was based on the work of this guy, or inspired by the work of Charles Ludlum. And he was famous for doing classical plays in drag, you know, performing very campy, but still being able to move people to tears. So throughout that workshopping process, I was just generating a, a bunch of male characters and Nate was one of them that popped up. And the first piece that I did with him was all silence. And he was kind of sadly drinking a two-liter bottle of soda in his basement (laughs) um, all in silence. You know, it kind of goes with the the theme of trying to express himself. So he was, you know, I didn't verbalize it then in that piece, but he was very sad chugging this two-liter bottle of soda kind of caught up in his feelings. And part of the bit was just uh, burping intermittently. And also, I think the act of finishing the bottle of soda was probably also somewhat impressive part of the bit, maybe is finished was the task.
0: Yeah, you were drinking a whole two liter bottle.
2: Yes, yes, exactly. And then the timing of the burps.
0: What kind of soda? Uh
2: just like a soda water. I remember it trying to okay. not get too sugared up, but you know, it needed to be carbonated.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that
2: I could have the burps. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and so at that point it's just sort of a moment in this character's life and you must not know much about him. Does Nate no. then sort of surprise you is that is that the process do you have to impose a life on him or does he just come alive over the next few years
2: that's a really good way to put it carrie yeah he just kind of comes alive whenever i get into character he just says stuff off the top of his head you know i don't always know what's coming
0: Mm. oh wow so i mean do you sometimes feel surprised by the stuff nate says
2: Sure. Sometimes I surprise myself. Yeah, I mean, I'm not that meta where I, like, think I'm Nate or something. I'm not going to go all, (laughs) uh, you know, joker on your or anything. But, uh, yeah, sometimes I definitely am surprising myself. Or sometimes, you know, during a workshop, I'll say something and realize, like, oh, you know, went too far there. Probably shouldn't have said that. Or, you know, oh, Nate said that but that was Nate. That wasn't
0: me. So it's fine.
1: (laughs) It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. Our guest is Natalie Palomides.
0: The show is such a midpoint between a play and an improv performance. And it's not quite stand-up, but there is that heavy crowd work. How did you decide between, while you were filming this, how, how did you decide between treating it as more of a play versus as uh, as one of these, like, comedy live events?
2: Well, you know, I think I just put up what the show already was. You know, I didn't really decide how I was going to treat it like a, a play or a stand-up comedy special. It just is what it is. So we just shot what already existed. And uh, I guess in terms of just living in the comedy scene in Los Angeles. I try not to put a label on myself Mm. of what it is. I mean, I, I think it's a comedy show, but, um, you know, I love using theatrics. I love theatricality. And I love how you can elevate a piece by, by making it theatrical and having some genuine moments or like some cool spotlight effects or, you know, waterworks on stage.
0: Yeah, there's a literal shower on the stage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like to get
2: creative. I don't want to put myself in a box and say, like, oh, it's this. I don't want to limit myself. I just, if I think of something, I'll put it in the show.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so then does Nate have a script?
2: No, not currently. But, I mean, from doing it over and over again, I just remember it. So. It is scripted in a way in the way that I just remember to do those things the same every time, you know There are Mm -hmm. written jokes Mm
1: -hmm. And
2: there's definitely a structure that the show follows But you know, I keep it really loose and yeah, I've never written it down Maybe I should do that because it's been a while since I've done it. I usually just rely on my muscle memory Uh, yeah
0: (laughs) If you get hit by a bus or something this dies with you it
2: dies with me I mean, there's There's a recording of it, I guess, that could be referenced.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's true. That's why we're here. You're right. My guest is actor and comedian Natalie Palamides. Her new Netflix special, Nate, a one-man show, has been described as a powerful exploration of masculinity and consent. And much of the show feels like a dialogue with the audience, and there's a lot of audience participation. Let's listen to a clip. In this clip, Natalie's character, Nate, has enlisted an audience member to join her on stage in the role of her best friend, Lucas. In Nate's world, they're about to share their signature handshake, but of course, to the audience volunteer, this is totally new, and they're forced to improvise along with Nate.
2: Peanut butter, peanut butter spread. peanut butter spread out (laughs) then you put on the
1: The jelly jelly.
2: and you put on the
1: bread bread.
2: (laughs) and then you put it (laughs)
0: <laughs> um so what's the most difficult thing that's happened at one of these live shows
2: oh gosh well you know before I wrestle the guy I give him that folder that he ha a waiver that he has to assign to wrestle but before there was the waiver Uh, Okay, I should take it back a little bit. So I always had the waiver in the show just as a gag for a prop for them to sign before they wrestle me. But now there's some directions in there that say you're about to wrestle Nate. Um, Please let Nate know if you have any sensitivities or injuries. And uh, remember, Nate is just a little lady. So please wrestle gently, but with passion. And so before I kind of had that little disclaimer in there, I wrestled a man who slammed me very hard on my neck. Um, oh my God. And so, so there's just been that was probably the most. Uh, dangerous wrestling situation I got into. And there were a couple others that were, you know, a little bit risque. And, um, you know, because I'm really egging people on sometimes when they come up and pushing their buttons. And some some people, they just get into it you know, and it becomes a little bit real for them. So whenever I went to the UK, they're big on risk assessments in the UK. So they kind mm-hmm. of made me put a disclaimer into the waiver. But what I found was that it was actually a lot easier to wrestle playfully with me. Um, whereas previously, they mm. they were kind of um, maybe a little bit aggressive most of the time. So, I guess another difficult moment, and this has only happened twice uh wh- you know, when somebody walks out of the show,
0: oh, um
2: especially during kind of a sensitive time, during a sensitive part of the show, um, uh-huh. you know, it just uh, catches me off guard, and um you know, I just feel bad that that somebody felt the need to walk out, but you know I I encourage it if somebody needs to, you know, that's what they need to do. Um, But sometimes I'm like, oh, like both the times somebody walked out was during a part of the show where I was wishing they just sat there for one more second, you know, because I'm like, "Ah, Mm. I got you if you just like for one more second, if you could hang on. But um, Mm. yeah, it's understandable.
0: How has the feedback been now that the show's on a big platform? Oh, well, I think
2: um, it's been generally pretty positive. I try not to seek out, you know, negative feedback. You know, probably the worst feedback I got was actually from my parents. Oh, okay. My dad nearly had a heart attack when he saw it. And, uh, you know, he sent me a slew of texts that were, you know, largely... uh, negative, I suppose, but like, uh I guess a, a phrase that could probably sum up all the text would be, he said, uh, I'm glad your grandparents aren't alive so they didn't have to see this. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> <laughs> Heavy stuff. And is that just because you're largely nude in the show? Yeah, I think so. And
2: uh He's like, what are you doing? He's like, can't you do something less raunchy, even though You know, I I said to him, I said, you're just saying that because I'm your daughter. I said, you would like it if somebody else did it, because my parents, they love Austin Powers. They love Sausage Party. They love raunchy comedy. (laughs) You know, they introduced me to Austin Powers when I was in third grade. So I'm like, you did this. You know, what do you expect?
1: Even more with Natalie Palomita still to come. Stay with us. It's Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. This message comes from NPR's sponsor, NerdWallet, a personal finance website and app that helps people make smarter money moves. Have new money goals this year? Whether you wanna use credit card points to plan a family vacation abroad once it's safe, or take advantage of low mortgage rates to refinance and save for your child's education, NerdWallet is the best place to shop financial products to help make your 2021 money goals happen. Discover and compare the smartest credit cards, mortgage lenders, and more at nerdwallet.com. I started listening to Ono, oh Ross, and Carey shortly after I broke my arm. I was allergic to water. I knew it was time to make a change. There's something about Ono, oh Ross, and Carey that you just can't get anywhere else. They're thought leaders, discoverers, founders, healers luminaries. Ross and Carrie
0: don't just report on French science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal. They take part themselves.
1: They show up so you don't have to. But you might find that you want to. My arm is better. My landlord came back from the dead. Just go to MaximumFun.org. Thank Thank you, Ross Ross and Carrie.
0: Ona Ross and Carrie is just a podcast. It doesn't do anything. It's just sounds you listen to in your ears. All these people are made up. Goodbye.
1: Gunsmoke. Ray's Anatomy. choose me game of thrones you know nothing john snow none of these shows would exist without one guy and his very famous wife how desi arnaz invented television as we know it on npr's planet money podcast it's bullseye i'm jesse thorne if you're just joining us our guest is natalie palomides natalie is a comedian here in los angeles You might have seen her as a recurring character on those progressive auto insurance commercials. She's also got a unique and fascinating new special out. In Nate, a one-man show, she plays the show's title character. Nate is a chauvinist jerk. He ropes audience members into weird and uncomfortable situations. It's as awkward as it is funny. You can check it out now on Netflix. Natalie is being interviewed by our own Carrie Poppy, host of Maximum Fund's Ono, Ross, and Carrie. Let's get back into it.
0: Uh, one word that always comes up in reviews of Nate and of your work in general is is brave. And that always makes me think of Lucille Ball's line where she said, I'm not funny. What I am is brave. Do you see oh. yourself as brave?
2: Ah, oh, that gave me goosebumps when you said that, Carrie.
0: I mean, I
2: guess I'm I guess so. I mean, I like to feign bravery. But, um, you know, I'm always a little bit nervous, but I um, maybe I just don't give a f- <laughs> I don't know if that's bravery, not giving a f- and bravery are they mm. equatable?
0: yeah, that's a good question. I think of bravery as being scared and overcoming the fear, not the absence of fear, yeah, what do you, I don't know uh so I think, yeah. Uh, <sighs> Do you feel afraid and you push through or do you just not feel afraid? I think
2: I feel afraid and I push through because I'm excited about getting into trouble. I like to do mischievous things, mm. but it's fun to, you know, put yourself in a dangerous situation and then you get a little bit of a rush when you pull it off. No, yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying I get you. Uh, but sure. Yeah, I, I mean. You know what? I'm flattered that people say I'm brave. I like to do scary things because I think it's fun. Mm -hmm. But I don't do scary things to harm anybody else or to hurt myself. That's not the kind of danger I seek out. Mm -hmm. It's more in the spirit of fun, you know?
0: What's the most trouble then you've gotten into for your art?
2: Oh my gosh, the most trouble. Huh, that's interesting. I don't think I have really gotten into trouble. I mean, I, I've i done—I've made mistakes that I've gotten, I guess, maybe a slap on the wrist for, but, you know, it was an honest mistake, like, and they weren't too angry with me about it. Like, I flooded the stage at UCB. Usually it has to do with making a mess, you know, mm-hmm. or, um, like, my trumpet case. I melted my trumpet case, uh, set set it on fire during a mm. show. Well, it wasn't really on fire. It was just, like, smoking and bubbling up. I guess usually, like, I get in trouble for trying something on stage that I didn't tell the producer I was going to do. And usually it involves, like, water... Or fire, Like one time when I was at the Virgil, I did this fire breathing bit and I was really close to the curtains oh. and I didn't tell the producer of the show that I was doing fire breathing. And, you know, they were very surprised. I mean, the bit went over well, but afterwards they were like, hey, you know, you got to tell us about that stuff. Yeah. And so now the producers of that show, I think it was a super serious show, maybe the hot tub show at the Virgil. And uh, they reach out to me now every time before I do the show. And they're like, is there anything we need to know about? (laughs) And usually there is. Like, I've brought Nate's shower to to that show, you know, fire breathing. I've brought a big, um, a large industrial fan um, and put a bunch of baby powder into it. I, you know, make out with people, which is fine. I mean, maybe now it wouldn't be fine, but... um,
0: yeah, sometimes it just kind of go rogue. One thing that I really uh, admire about you, Natalie, is that you have this sort of internal engine and this internal compass, to mix my metaphors, uh, where you really know what you want to do artistically. Mm. And if someone tries to direct you away from that, you politely thank them and move on. And That's um, true. Yeah, and one of the... The biggest examples of this is a year or two ago, without saying too much, you had been offered this this sizable role in a big comedy film, and you turned it down to go do Nate for two weeks live in London, I think.
2: Yeah. I mean, that wasn't easy to do, but yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, so at the time, I mean, did you hem and haw about that, or did you just know no, like Nate, Nate's an important thing and he's going to be something. And did you just know? Oh,
2: well, I mean, they were really trying to work it out, honestly. But, Mm. uh, you know, I don't know if I'm that great of like an artist that I wanted to turn down a huge comedy film. I mean, I definitely would probably rather do my art than some, you know, some you know, show or movie made by the Hollywood machine or something, but definitely it eats me up still inside. Like when it Mm. recently came out, I was like, ah, no, you know, but, uh, you know, that happens and, uh, you gotta, yeah, you gotta go for what's true to you, you know? Yeah.
0: You must be glad you did it now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. I mean, A slew of things happened. Like, if I had left London to go do that movie, I wouldn't have gotten hit by a motorcycle, which is also weird. Like, during that time in London, I got hit on the day that I would have had to leave to go do the (laughs) movies. Oh, wow. I was like, weirdly supposed to get hit by this motorcycle. Did you know about that? I told you, right?
0: You must have. What? Uh, obviously, you're fine. Uh, what?
2: Yeah, it was a miracle. It was a miracle.
0: Why do you say you had to be hit by it? Did you get something good out of that?
2: I don't know. The butterfly effect, you know? I mean, I believe in fate and destiny and all that. I mean, I believe you also have to make your own luck and you got to work hard and stuff like that. But um, I don't know. I, I kind of, I'm a believer of everything happens for a reason.
0: Yeah, <laughs> fair, fair enough. I hear that story and think, damn, should have gotten out of London a day earlier so you don't get hit by that motorcycle. I know. Well, that definitely crossed my mind when I
2: got whacked by that thing. I was like, freaking damn it. Like, if I had just gone to go do that movie, (laughs) I would have uh, not been hit by this thing. But also, I should have just, like, been looking. Well, the thing is, okay, I got hit. The motorcycle was coming up the middle between stopped cars and I uh, you know i wasn't using the crosswalk but traffic was stopped i thought it was safe but i was jaywalking you know so mm-hmm. um mm. there's a the responsibility folks. don't jaywalk but maybe i had to learn not to jaywalk so yeah. that later in my life i didn't die from getting hit by a bigger vehicle
0: there it is now there I'm it is buried. we found the lesson
2: very diligent about crossing the street now. And you know what's funny is like when I called my mom to tell her I got hit, she was like, I knew that was going to happen to you. You Mm. never look. (laughs) You never look when you're crossing the street. And I freaking looked. I looked. Anyways, Carrie, Mm. I appreciate you making me sound honorable and (laughs) valiant that I stood my ground and went and did my art, but I definitely was bummed that I couldn't do this movie. But yeah, I mean, it is true that my art is always more important to me and I think that I would always choose art over some Hollywood film. Not that it's like crappy cuz I definitely wanted to do it. Sure. <laughs> but you know what I mean, the, there's yeah. that story about um you know, what's his name, Charlie from It's Always Sunny. He he uh just not that this is the same level at all but he chose between series regular on a network show and developing It's Always Sunny even though he didn't know if it was going to get picked up or what and he Mm. chose his art
0: so I want to talk before we go about uh, about Nate as a character Mm -hmm. so there's this this very important moment in the show uh, where Nate has just realized he might have done something very, very wrong, uh, but he's not sure. And he he turns to the audience and he just point blank asks us, did I do something wrong here? And uh, and the audience sort of peppers the replies. You hear a yes from the corner and a no from the other side. And yes, no, yes, no. And usually the audience is kind of split. Mm hmm. So the first time I saw the show, I don't know if you'll remember this, but afterward, I asked you if you had an opinion. Do you think he did something right or wrong? And and I won't say what you said here, but you had a very definite answer, which kind of surprised me. And I wonder, is do you still have a definite answer to that question or has it gotten more gray over time?
2: Mm, yeah, I think I still have a definite answer, but I'm not interested in telling people what I think. So. I would be interested in engaging in conversation in a conversation about the nuance of that moment, but I, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with somebody after the show, but the purpose of the show is not to preach my opinion of mm-hmm. what it is. You know, I would like right. everyone to feel heard and I would just honestly like it to be more of a starting point for conversation for, for people on all sides, you know, on all points of the wheel of the conversation to feel like they're able to enter into it and what they're welcome in the conversation and, you know, we're allowed to use words that are maybe usually deemed as too taboo, you know. It's like we have to be able to say these things, I think, even though right now I'm like... (laughs) carefully choosing all of my words and making sure that I don't say anything wrong. But um, that's what I would like to surpass hopefully one day. And I, you know, would like to encourage everybody else to, you know, treat each other with a bit of empathy when they're discussing these things. And, you know, so that we can feel more free to discuss these things without feeling like, oh, we're going to get harpooned by the person we're discussing it with. And because I think in general, you know, of course, you know, there's always outliers. But um, I think most people aren't setting out to hurt anybody when they want to discuss these things. And I think most people want to feel understood. And um, if we could just approach these kind of conversations with that in mind. I think that's that would be helpful.
0: Natalie, thanks for being on Bullseye. Thank you for having me, Carrie.
1: Natalie Palamides. Her new special is called Nate, a one-man show. It's streaming now on Netflix. Also, check out our guest interviewer Carrie Poppy's podcast, Oh No, Ross and Carrie. I just saw her tweeting that she was about to interview an expert on QAnon. So if you want what will almost certainly be an informative and funny interview about a terrifying subject. Uh, Check that out. That's the end of another episode of Bullseye. Bullseye is created in the homes of me and the staff of Maximum Fun in and around greater Los Angeles, California, where construction across the street from my home has not only made it very difficult to record, uh, but also has led me to go through the automated car wash about twice a week, which honestly, That's actually kind of a side benefit. I I love going through the automated car wash. Our show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our producer is Kevin Ferguson. Jesus Ambrosio and Jordan Cowling are our associate producers. We get help from Casey O'Brien and Kristen Bennett. Our interstitial music is by Dan Wally, also known as DJW. Our theme song is by The Go Team. Thanks very much to The Go Team and to their label Memphis Industries for letting us use that. You can also keep up with the show on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. We post all our interviews there. And I think that's about it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign-off.
0: Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR.